I feel like discernment has always been an area, even as a young child, that I kind of um, gravitated towards. Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. We are a learning community for people at a career crossroads, ready to rejoin their soul and their role. We have long-form conversations about self-awareness, relationships, tapping into your inner genius, and building sustainable habits. We are led by our questions. We're curious. We're storytellers. And the more we learn, the better we get. And there are people all around us who have done the work. We think they have a lot to say about how we can discern and activate our own purpose. I'm Shelley Prevost. I'm an educational psychologist and the founder of Big Self. And I'm Chad Prevost. I'm a media specialist. I write, research, and produce content across industries. To learn more about how to join the tribe, go to shellyprevost.com slash bigselfsociety. Let's get started. Kenny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, fantastic to have you. So, Kenny, you set out on a path in what you thought would be the music industry. You said you had just completed an internship at the Vans Warped Tour, and you were certain that a career in music was in the in the industry was in the cards. First of all, the Warped Tour was a traveling rock music festival that ran for about 25 years. What was that like? That sounds really cool. Uh, it was crazy. I mean, I I have been told I have a pretty young face now. I'm 33, but back then I think I looked about 10 years old. <laughs> um, and I had I had not really been out of the South, you know, the Bible Belt per se. And so, you know, that was my first really full experience of getting beyond the, the East Coast. I mean, it was uh, quite the eye-opening experience, just a culture and music. And I mean, I, I saw a lot of things that I, you know, I hadn't seen before. So it was, it was quite the experience. Oh, I bet. Katy Perry was actually on the tour that year. That was before she hit it big. Mm. So she oh. was, I think, just, just at the time kind of uh, promoting I Kissed a Girl, you know, her big, you know, breakout hit mm-hmm. and then like Joan Jett. And um, I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. I think the gym class heroes was uh, on the tour that year too. So it was, um, it was cool. I mean, I got to, you know, eat with the bands and we were all just kind of shoved onto a bunch of tour buses. It was, it was crazy. Now, what was your role with the, with the festival? What did you do with them? So I got hired by Sony records out of Nashville to be kind of like a marketing intern for the summer. So, so they, they basically stuck me on the tour to set up a tent every single day. I think there's 52 cities total that summer that we set up, oh, at. Wow. Um, set up a booth and just passed out basically like free sample CDs at that point, you know, um, giving them away, just trying to promote these other indie bands that were on our label. So, well then, so you, you followed up the warp tour and that, that sounds pretty exciting. And then you followed that internship up within what you call an entry level opportunity at uh, Sony music in Nashville, Tennessee. And it seemed like you were set. Um, but then like, what, what, what started to, to happen? Like what you were, you were living, what you thought was kind of your dream, but then it wasn't quite right. What, what, what happened to the, when did the pivot happen? You know, for number one, just being on the Warp Tour just completely opened my mind to a culture, just meeting new different, new people, new personality types. And and then going to the record label in Nashville the following summer, um, I don't know how it worked out. I, I, I say all the time it was just, uh, I guess, in the cards for me, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. But I got uh, synced up with the marketing team. And got to see like how they handled marketing and creative with you know putting bands together like going out and finding new bands that have some really great talent um, even 
looking at how they treat their wardrobe and their styling, how they do um, the packaging for new albums, really the whole gamut of creative in the music industry. And then, you know, it's, you know, people, some people talk about they knew what they wanted to do, you know, since early childhood. But for me, it was a, it was a phone call that it pretty much changed everything. So I got a phone call from somebody that I, I rarely or barely knew back in Chattanooga. And he said, Hey, you know, I got your number and I uh, wanted to see if you could design me a business card. And at that point, I was not a designer, had no clue how to design a business card. Um, I had, you know, years of art class back in high school and I come from a family of, you know, of artists, but I barely knew what graphic design was. I had no clue how to use any software. And for whatever reason, I said, sure, I'll give it a try and got a bootleg version of Photoshop. And that essentially started my creative career. I, I talk about this now. It's amazing to see how far, um, I guess, the school system has progressed even since I was in school. I mean, I graduated high school mm -hmm. in 2004, so it's not too long ago, but long enough. But, you know, back then, all, all that kind of existed in the school system was pretty much just basic art class. I mean, they had some other other things, but now they've got like technology, they've got like video production, graphic design, and still art class. But, you know, again, I, I had no clue what graphic design even meant. So even though I had these like natural family tendencies to, to draw, and um, I had, I guess that had that creative eye, I just had no clue. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, I just, I don't know, I felt like I was up for a challenge. And I guess I was a bit honored that someone would call and ask me to do something. And you know, I did it and I, I thought it turned out well and they were happy with it. And then they kept asking me for more work and I was like, this is great. And then everybody no, no. else started calling me too. And yeah, I, I kind of laugh about it, but yeah, I realized they were calling me number one, I guess I was decent, but I was also free and I didn't realize that you could even make money from this. Or, yeah, it definitely helps to get your career started. And then um, I think eventually I was like, oh, I can make money from this. And at that point it wasn't wow. my hourly rate. It was my project rate was 60 bucks. I could work for like two months solid and make 60 bucks. So um, things have definitely changed since then. But this whole process fascinates me um, that, you know, to really to kind of peek under the hood a little bit of, you know, we make decisions and we live our life and then we get to a point where we're like, wow, how did I get here? Like, let me look back and kind of unpack that a little bit. And so to me, what I'm hearing is this kind of this following your curiosity a little bit or even just an interest, like there's something interesting to you about this art and then to figure out how to eventually make money at it. Um, I'm really interested if you, if you could unpack that a little bit for us, how did you, like, what are you aware of you had to address in yourself? Any um, pitfalls or things that were um, holding you back? Or is it more just like, I'm just going to try it. We're just going to jump into this and see what happens. Talk a little bit about how you you got to, from music in Nashville to marketing and design and uh, branding and development, all the stuff that you're doing here now in Chattanooga. Uh, one thing is in childhood, you know, I I did have some early signs that that was you know, where, where I was crafted to serve. So in elementary school, I can look back as far as those years and see like I won a t-shirt contest and uh, my design was basically on the t-shirt of the whole school for an entire year. Uh, but again, had, you know, I just thought it was fun. I didn't have a clue that that would be where my career would end. And then a little later in middle school, there was a youth competition um, that I was asked to be a part of. And it had, 
it was a youth competition that had you know, 50 plus categories of ways that you could mm -hmm. enter. And it was, it was creative. It was a musical. And I think some other friends were involved in some type of music or drama. And I was, I was just trying to figure out where I fit in. And there was this section called um, computer graphics. It wasn't even graphic design. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Like, what is that? And, and basically the, the description for the computer graphics at that time was any piece of artwork that's created on a computer uh, basically qualifies mm -hmm. for this category. And so at that point, I just opened up Microsoft Paint, you know, and created some some kind of artwork. I think it looked like a Picasso, you know, painting or something like that. And I actually won the award. It, uh, I still have the trophy somewhere buried in the closet, but it's like probably almost as tall as me, which is crazy. But, you know, I had those those tendencies and those little signs throughout my, I guess, my childhood mm -hmm. and teenage years that that I had, you know, I had those gifts. I just didn't have really the education of the uh, a full understanding to know that this career even existed. And so, you know, I had a, a love for music. And, um, at that point when I went to college, you know, the only, only place that I thought that I could fall was in more of the marketing side of things. Cause I, I loved the music industry and I figured, you know, pairing a marketing degree and the music side of, uh, uh, or the business side of music that it would work well. And yeah, I mean, just kind of talking back, back before, I mean, I got this, this call and, um, I guess I was just honored to see how it uh, kind of unfolded and I was even asked to do this and, um, you know, it was just amazing to see kind of how it all unfolded. And, and too, like in hindsight now, I'm so grateful that I actually went to school for business and marketing. I have a lot of other friends and creatives that um, kind of went the more traditional route. I went to art school or, you know, majored in graphic design. And, and for whatever reason, a lot of those people um, tended to gravitate away from it uh, after school. And I think, you know, my perspective on it is I think as creatives and artists, I think sometimes we tend to lean more towards like the emotional side of, of the art that we create. And, and saying that it's like you know, when someone, even a client asks us to do work, um, there's still an emotional connection. It's a piece of artwork that we're creating, even though it's for a corporate client or some type of marketing initiative, it's still a piece of art. And so I think a lot of creatives do struggle when a client comes back and says, you know, I don't like this, or um, can you make this bigger? You know, it's, it's, as artists, we're a bit emotionally connected to that piece and it's hard to take that, that input. But I think for me, having like the marketing and background experience, having that hybrid, um, I guess, entry pathway to my career, you know, it allowed me to understand both languages. So I wasn't so emotionally connected to the art so much so that I couldn't hear what these businesses needed um, and kind of, kind of play that, that center role. So I think that was, something that happened kind of organically in my career that I'm so grateful for. And I think now as a leader, you know, of a creative agency that my wife and I run, you know, it's, it's, it works really well because I, I'm kind of the in-between between the client um, and our creative team. So I kind of am that buffer between the two. And then I guess the last thing that it was a really great question that you asked, but for the longest time, because I didn't go that traditional mm -hmm. path, I kind of had this imposter syndrome where I felt a bit like a fraud. So I had these people initially like hiring me, you know, number one, I, I was affordable, but even when I got my first job at a printing company, mm -hmm. um, I just kind of felt like when people found out that I wasn't a, a traditional designer, that I was going to lose my job. And the opposite kept happening. I kept getting promoted. Uh, I got recruited by an agency for my second job. And the first day that I got there, they say, can you design, start working on this website? And at that point, I had no clue how to even build a website. And so I literally had to go ask one of my 
I guess, um, I think my art director at that point, like, where do I even begin? Because I have no clue. And so for the longest time, I had this feeling like I was a bit of a fraud and that, um, you know, that I wasn't a true designer. And I think it took a lot of years just understanding that that was not the truth. And yeah, how did you overcome that? Or or are you still overcoming that? I I think I finally got past that. And I think for me, it was a lot of great mentors in my life that chose to invest and just encourage me um, and just say, hey, you know, you've got a gift. I think also for me too, um, and I, I wouldn't say this is for everybody and that you should look for validation in winning awards, but, you know, I submitted some awards to the Addy um, American Advertising Awards one year. I think the first year that I did that, I submitted like one or two and I didn't win anything. And I honestly did the opposite. It kind of just, again, just kind of put those thoughts in my head that I'm not supposed to be in the space. Um, but I think the following year I submitted five things and won a gold Addy for all five entries. And I think for me, yeah, between that and a trophy that you say is as tall yeah. as you, I think that's pretty validating. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But you know, and, and again, I don't necessarily encourage people to, to use that as, as their means for success, but it definitely helped for me. And, um, it's not the only metric. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I just had great mentors. I had some success and, and just eventually found that piece that, hey, this is what I was created to do all along. So I want to ask you a little bit about per- finding your purpose, finding your calling. Like this is a concept that um, I'm just in love with, like really figuring out how people find purpose. And from what I can tell, Council Creative, it looks like a calling for both you and your wife. I mean, there's a lot of uh, relational value. There's this social value that you all are bringing alongside the the products that you're building for companies. So I'm really curious, like how you have discerned your own life purpose um, and what a calling means to you. And can you, you know, are you called to this work? And then, and how, how did you assemble that in your life? And then I'm also interested with that, like, what was the the leap? Like, how did you finally have, find the courage to step into building something from nothing, uh, which is really scary as Chad and I are doing that right now. Um, yeah. So that whole process and then the courage, how did you find that in you to start something new? Well, I'm number one, just grateful to hear that that message is resonating or at least coming out in the things that we do it is um so that's yes. that's really encouraging we, we try to it's, it's hard because you know unless you create a video um you try to have to capture these people that come to your side or have interaction with your brand in some other form of communication whether it's writing or just um face-to-face interaction but um i definitely think you hit it i hit the nail on the head this is uh, a, a calling and for some people that might be weird to think in terms of business, but, you know, I had, again, I had a little bit of an uncommon pathway to um, my creative career, you know, not going to school for it, getting a phone call, and then, you know, basically navigating this uh, course between like um, a printing company, uh, agency world, corporate world, back to the agency world, just a lot of, a lot of twists and turns in my career. 
and it was a blessing in a lot of ways. Uh, I had some incredible mentors, some that were very loving and some that weren't, some that, you know, showed me some tough love mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. stuff that I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily love uh, the distribution of that message and how I came out, but um, how it changed my career and um, the way that I approached things was, you know, just invaluable for how I proceed forward. But I think this culmination, this, this, a little bit off pathway to where I landed and, and this, the number of companies that I got to work for uh, on the agency and the corporate side of things, I got to see a lot of things that were done really well, but I also saw a lot of things that, um, that I didn't think were done appropriately. And I, I, I want to at least start off by prefacing that I don't think this is a bl blanket statement for the creative industry as a whole. I think there's um, probably even more today than there was a lot of companies that, that are out there that, you know, have a culture or, or grooming a culture for good. And I think that's just, uh, amazing to see. I think even within our own city, there's a lot of great companies out there that are serving with the right intentions, but my pathway, I did work with a lot of companies that didn't understand a lot of things. I felt like a lot of agencies did more speaking than listening. Um, they, they, you know, kind of saw themselves as the experts before they even got to know the client and their goals and initiatives. And also too, I think, um, I saw a lot of times these agencies would push, push services to clients that the clients didn't actually need. Like maybe they needed one of those services, but the rest was a bit of a bundle just to cover the expenses and the overhead of the office. And, um, they, I kind of saw that people would play on people's, um, uneducation on, on marketing and, a lot of that. So I was like, this, this is, doesn't feel right. And I didn't love that. Yeah. Um, and then too, this, I can't tell you how many times a client would leave from a meeting. And as soon as they left, just the, the way that people would communicate about the client that's, you know, essentially paying our salaries, like they would, they would talk about the clients as if they're enemies or if they had, you know, like they just, they just didn't have a love and appreciation. Um, and then too, I think, on the flip side, just being a creative myself, I didn't really feel like people necessarily valued, you know, my contribution to the team. Um, I, I'm a, my wife and I are, we believe in hard work and hustling and, you know, as you guys know, business ownership, like there is no nine to five. It's, it's pretty much any, any hour that you have that, you know, is not already out. Especially when you're married to your business partner. Exactly. I mean, when morning, you know, 3 a.m., like, oh, I have an idea. Exactly. Like, there is no, there's no time off. You know, it's not as glamorous as people make it out to seem. But I think we still also really value, like, for our, our team members and our creative family, we still want to respect their personal time and, and make mm -hmm. sure that they get that time, even if we don't. And so I saw a lot of, like, lack of appreci appreciation there. And I think, you know, uh, when my wife and I met, my wife's more from like a business administration, HR background. And we just, you know, number one, we had a love for each other and we really just enjoyed um, just that time that we had being side by side. And we had, you know, we have good energy and we work well together. And, and I think we, you know, we love the great outdoors. Our city is one of the best places in the nation for that. I mean, of course, you've got amazing national parks on the west coast but we live in an amazing city for outdoor activities and i think that's where we usually get kind of revived and refreshed and some of the best inspiration or ideas come from those times that we get outdoors and we had basically come back from a trip i think to the smoky mountains 
and you know we just got to talking you know it's like you know do we want to continue down this pathway where we don't get to see each other for long periods of time and you know what would it look like if we created an agency that that did really great work and helped people um actually grow their business and see some roi but could we do those things that other agencies are doing but actually love the people that we work with too like isn't that a great recipe for success and you know, and that's that's essentially how Council Creative was born. We we kind of mm. just we felt a calling, we felt a push, and and this is kind of a funny story, but we're still human, and we still have moments of fear where we're like, well, I'm not really sure if if that really is a calling. Maybe it's just me hearing things. But um, for a long a long time, I would say probably about a year, we we were operating with the name Council Creative. But on all of our invoice, it still said, you know, please make checks payable to Kenny Morgan as a freelancer. And I think it was just mm-hmm. like, well, we're we're hearing this calling and this push, but we're just not quite ready to make that jump. And the funny thing for us was uh, one client that we loved working with, but they weren't the best at paying very quickly. So um, they they finally wrote us a check for one of the projects that we were working on. And they actually wrote the check out to Council Creative LLC, which didn't exist at the time. And the only, <laughs> literally the only way I went to the, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I went to the bank and I was like, well, it's got my name on it. So surely we can just deposit this. And like, no, I'm sorry. Um, you have to have a business account in that name in order for us to deposit that. And I was like, I was kind of like at a crossroads. I was like, do I go back and wait for a check to come like a month later? Or do we just go ahead and just do this? And so I kind of felt, and my wife too, just felt like that was the the nudge, like, hey, uh, this is your calling. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. And now's the time. This to is do like it. clearly a sign. The ro- <laughs> the road is rising to meet. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds like a, your first deposit on your new company. Well, one of the things that you guys do um, at Council Creative is you say that you're, you know, you, you try to embrace this identity of building brands and relationships that matter. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's your process for, for determining whether a company and the people in the company uh, are the kind that matter? I think Shelly, I loved her choice of words earlier. And just, she, I think she said something about how do you discern that? And I think that's, I think as humans, we're all given unique gifts. Of course, I think we all have a lot of like um, gifts that kind of uh, are more common. And I think individually, we all have something to give that's a little bit more u- unique than the other. Does, doesn't mean that we have superpowers. It just means that we're kind of crafted for different things. And I feel like discernment has always been an area, even as a young child, that I kind of um, gravitated towards. Like just meeting people and having a a pretty quick understanding of what that relationship could look like. And so for me, Mm -hmm. I think that's been invaluable in business is just having like that, I guess for uh, maybe the modern terminology for that might be like spider sense, like just knowing like pretty Mm -hmm. quickly, like, Hey, I don't feel right about this or um, I feel. What's your Enneagram number? I actually don't know. And my team hates me for it (laughs) because Well, we can probably figure it out. We'll (laughs) do it before the podcast is over. No, just kidding. All right, continue. No, no, that's that's good. But I think discernment for me has has been invaluable in business. And to be honest with you, there's been some times when I've I've gone against that. You know, when you're a young business and you you no longer have the support of a consistent paycheck, sometimes 
um, you ignore discernment because you're worried about not surviving another day. We actually had a client. Well, actually, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, that was another question I had because a lot of brands do have these aspirational kind of qualities, but you know, but then when the rubber hits the road, uh, you know, and like maybe they somebody offers you a lot of money, but you don't necessarily think they're the right kind, or I mean, like, how do you how do you um, deal with that? Have you said no to some high paying um, clients that you just let were like, I just don't know if this will work. We have now, I, we had one example, it was, and I'm not going to mention names or even industries, but we had a client that, uh, they started out, they, they asked for some brand development work. And I remember showing up, I went to Atlanta, uh, it's a pretty high profile client, someone that's, um, on TV quite a bit. So just, just the fact that I was having that conversation, I was, I was pretty excited because it was a high profile potential client. And I remember going there and we have a series of questions that we ask. We, we really try to ask questions and then be quiet and listen so we can try to, you know, align ourselves with their goals and produce something that's really going to help them grow. And, you know, they hired us or they brought us in to work on branding. And so one of my first questions was, you know, what is it about your current branding that's not working? And his response was, I think it's working just fine. <laughs> I was thinking, well, um, I don't know why I'm here right now. You know, if like, why are we having this conversation again? And I couldn't say that, but you know, he ended up hiring us and, or I think, I I think I had some discernment that this may not be a good fit. Um, I felt a little bit uneasy. And so what I basically came up with, and this was not, this is, I guess a good, it was a good practice to go through because it kind of shaped how we handle things going forward. But I I was like, I'm going to price this as high as possible. So he's going to have to say no. And I sent a proposal over for some brand development and some web work. And he like replied within five minutes and said, we're moving forward. We're doing it. So on one end, I was like, well, great. We're going to make some good money. On the other end, you know, I, I was really uneasy about that relationship. And basically to sum that story up in a short mm-hmm. way, we did make a little bit of money, but we um, we actually didn't get paid I think over $7,000 what we were due by the end of the project. So there was a lot of, lot of, of that uncertainty that we felt initially that we should have listened to even regardless of the mm-hmm. price. And, and it's really kind of shaped the way that we approach clients going forward. And I don't know, I mean, I wish that I could say I'm a super, superhero and I just have this magical way of drawing the right people to us, but we've been really blessed that since, since that interaction, we just, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's that our messaging on our website is, is pulling in the right people, but we've been really fortunate to align ourselves with people that have a mutual respect for each other and, or have a mission to do good. So, you know, I don't know if I have a magic recipe or we just been really fortunate. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hearing, do you all have company values? Cause I'm hearing some come out from you. I'm curious of what your, what do you all have? What are your values? I we have probably more than most companies do. I'm actually going to just to make sure I'm nailing them all, and I can go through these quickly. But I think the short values one is um, play to win. So one thing that we said it's it's not a win if only Council Creative is winning, and that kind of goes back to that experience with the previous agencies. It's, it's you know if we're making money, but our clients are spending money and then going out of business or not seeing any return, then it's not 
not something we want to be a part of. It's got to be a win-win. Um, another one is uh, we work with joy. And that one's a, mm-hmm. that one's a, a tough one. I mean, look at the season that we're in now. I mean, we're nobody is exempt from uh, potentially hard times right now. And I think even, I won't get into it, but even our family, you know, went through a number of years where we, we had a lot of challenges that we were facing and working with joy is, is really hard. But I think one thing that uh, we've found in business ownership is like, especially in leadership that your presence and the way that you carry yourself, even through adversity impacts how your team responds too. And even though totally. it's in the same way with like in marriage and if you're a, a parent, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's not a, a value of, we expect people to be um, non-emotional. It's just, it's just a little bit of a attitude that, you know, no matter what we face, we're going to, we're going to step into these projects and to the workday with, with joy. And so that's something that we really just strive to do. Um, kind of going through the other ones is, is we lead. Um, and I think this is kind of a delicate balance. So we have this, when we, we work with a, a client, um, we've started to infuse almost like marriage vows at the beginning of the project and even before the contract sign. And it's leading sometimes is, is having to just um, communicate to a client that sometimes what they think is best may not really be in their best interest. And it, I think we do that in a way that we're not saying that we know it all, but um, there's been a few cases where a client you know, had some thoughts about a particular campaign or a strategy and we kind of just kind of sat back and and weren't vocal and just kind of went with their leadership on that. And shortly after the project finished that they actually went out of business. And so I think that that was hard. I know it was hard for them, but it was hard for us because we almost felt guilty. And even though like they kind of steered the ship and where it landed, we just said we've got to, in a way that's polite and respectful and a collaborative way we've got to be able to take leadership because people aren't just hiring us just to make pretty pictures and to make good videos like they're also looking for expertise so we have we almost have wedding vows that say you know we trust you to be the expert on your product or service and to educate us but we also ask that you trust us as well in being the creatives and and coming up with um some good strategies for moving forward so that one's been Mm -hmm. really cool um Beyond the business is another one. So we, we want to, I guess, love on our clients, even if it has nothing to do with business at all. Um, and sometimes that means, you know, sending a birthday card or if we know they're going through a hard time, like sending flowers or a handwritten note. So, you know, even though like we survive and thrive off of, you know, the projects that come in and the income that we generate, we want to we want to see our clients beyond just business partners. We want to see them as family. Um, we take action as one. So as a team, like it's one thing, like, like, like kind of like in playing off of what I just talked about of beyond the business, it's one thing to think of something, but if you don't take action, it's not going to do any good. And so it's, we're trying to communicate to our team and to ourselves that, you know, if you, if you have that discernment or if you have that leading or that calling to do something, then let's also finish, like follow up on that and take action with it. So that's a big one for us. And then two more. We listen. So counsel creative, the word counsel was really important to us to kind of interweave into our brand because, again, I think a lot of agencies tend to do more talking than they do listing. And I think 
we have found our niche to be in storytelling and to tell authentic stories, whether that's, you know, a product that has the potential of really being high on emotional connection or something as bland as carpet. Like I worked in the carpet industry for a number of years and I love the challenge of taking a product that could be seen as just a, a throwaway product or a, you know, something that doesn't necessarily communicate with people and making, making the connection between an end product and the end user. Um, but we just want to listen. We want to, we want to ask questions and be patient enough to listen um, and, mm-hmm. and be that counsel because counsel, I mean, I, I, I've always said this before is I'm a, I'm a believer that every person probably could use a counselor from birth to death. Like we, you deal with, oh, oh totally. you're speaking Shelly's <laughs> language. Yeah. I just believe it. And it doesn't, yes. it, it can be in the good times too. Like, I think you just need that. There's, you know, we talk about venting and you know, that, that relief that comes from getting things off your chest. And so we're, we're trying to do that in the creative space and I think it works well. And then lastly, um, we are resourceful and kind of the messaging behind that is we are capable of big and beautiful things with the gifts and talents we've been given. Um, so that's kind of a sum up. But totally. Yeah. We just, those are nice. Well, thank you. Yeah. Like, sorry. No, you're good. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. We just love people. We want to do great work. Um, we want to tell authentic stories that um, build real connections. That's that's kind of that's kind of our passion and our mission too. Well, I certainly like the uh, the concept of listening well, and uh, yeah, just um, that whole idea of of um, having that. We all need to be, kind of be parented. Um, I'm trying that a little bit with some meditation, mm. getting out of the monkey brain, almost like you, your mind almost parents you a little bit. Um, I was wondering, Kenny, like, I mean, have you guys, do you ever meet, like, I'm just curious from the perspective, like when they give you a proposal, have you ever met a problem you couldn't solve or, you know, or just delivered a product that no matter how many times you, you guys reiterated that it just didn't work for the company? Do you ever run into that? And I, I, I want to add too, I think that's a, that's, you know, the failure conversation. I don't Hmm. think that we... Uh, in the startup community, really in business com- circles, we don't talk about failure very much, or we don't talk about how we deal with some of those setbacks. So um, I, that's what those your questions making me think of. Like, where, how have you encountered those, and and what did you do? What did you guys do with it? Yeah, that's another really great question. I, I would say two setbacks. I think I was asked not too long ago what's been the best thing. And for growing my career and growing Council Creative, and I would say the setbacks and the the issues and the problems that we ran into. Because I think you know, with all of us, when we have those setbacks or we we face the brick walls, we have two options: we can learn from it and grow, or we can just stay behind the brick wall and never never grow at all. And so mm-hmm. those those setbacks have actually been really beneficial. I mean, you guys know it too. Business ownership you know, has the potential of giving you setbacks or problems every single day. It's, it's a puzzle. And so we're just constantly trying to figure it out. And, you know, I kind of just, I actually love it. You know, it's stress, it's stressful at times, probably more often than not, but I just love, I love being able to be faced with a challenge and then figure out a way to kind of navigate around it and not do that same thing again. But um, to go to, I guess, Chad's question, you know, I'm trying to think of a project where we just went through iteration, iteration, and it just didn't work. Um, I don't know if there's one that specifically comes to mind, but I think where my mind's kind of going in that is, I think a lot of times with 
within the agency world, I think sometimes it's it comes from a good place and sometimes it necessarily doesn't. But I think we have a tendency of saying that we're a full service creative agency or a full service marketing marketing agency, which I do think there are a lot of organizations that can pull that off because they have the bandwidth and the team to specialize in a lot of different areas. Um, but even for like smaller teams like ourselves, I think early on we we kind of use that language. I think a lot because of fear and fear of if we specialize too much, then we're not going to have enough work to survive as a business. And so, you know, I think, I don't think we ever delivered anything that um, wasn't beneficial, but there was, I guess, in the first year of business, there were a number of times when, you know, we created a beautiful website and, and you could see the value there. It definitely was a huge jump from where they were or, um, we created a brand that was really special, but there was a, a feeling within my spirit that I'm just not sure how we help them grow. And I, I, I didn't like that feeling at all. And, you know, my wife and I talked about it. We actually brought on a COO and, you know, kind of our mission, even leading into this year was, you know, it's, we can continue to, to build things that are visually pleasing. Cause I think design, design is great and you have to have it so you can have the best product or service in the world but if your design is poor like nobody's gonna mm -hmm. nobody's gonna trust it or believe that that it really is the best product in the world so design has an amazing ability to build that validation um but it doesn't always bring roi it's you know i talk about this a lot but that old movie um filled of dreams there's that line in the movie that says, if you build it, they will come. That's not true. So I've, I've learned that, you know, it's like you can try that. You can build the best thing in the world, but if, if it doesn't, if, if it doesn't uh, get out there, if people don't know it exists then it's going to be a really beautiful thing that just sits there. And so that's probably been the biggest thing that I wouldn't say it hasn't worked. It's just that we, we knew we had to um, figure that out, figure out, truly what what is what are the what's the dream result like when we meet with a client now we ask them what is your dream result and some clients their dream result is just to look better and they want to look more aesthetically pleasing and that's we can do that but if it's you know we want this to go viral or we want this to be number one on google like we we really have to sit back and say are we the right team for that and i think for me i was really really scared of niching down i think we went through an exercise probably about six months ago and I think we got it down to um, our niche was storytelling, but it still was like a comfort blanket because I was like, we can storytell with branding. We can do that with web. We can do that with video. So it was it was like kind of niching down, but still wasn't quite there. And I don't know. I think even within the last mm -hmm. month or so, I, I finally, uh, and we have finally got to a place where we're like, we realized where our specialty is and, um, it's exciting mm -hmm. to do that, but it's also exciting to know that when we say we can serve somebody well, well we know that we actually can. And that, um, I think, and this, I'll wrap it up here, but I think we, we had the ability to do a lot of good in a number of areas, but not a lot of great in one particular area. And that's where we want to be. We want anything that we do for a client to be something that's exceptional. Um, and it's clearly going to help someone grow in whatever way they want it to. Yeah. And I think you all are so aptly named council creative is just perfect from, I mean, the, 
the, the, to give someone counsel around their create creative work, their brand, their strategy. Um, and I think a lot of businesses need that. Sometimes businesses, we don't know what we need. We don't know what we don't know. And so to have a partner who can listen, listen in that process and really help pull out what exactly it is we are needing and how to, how to, uh, personify that in a beautiful way, I think is, is a real gift to businesses. So, well, I think yeah, it sounds like you guys have done some life design as well as actually being a design company, uh, for, for companies that are trying to have an impact, you know, for, for all of those reasons, we, um, we're embracing that, um, that's some big self stuff. Mm. So we always end our podcast asking our guests the same three questions. And so we would love to ask you those now. I'm ready. Uh, the first one is, is what book are you reading or podcast are you listening to right now that's making an impression on you? That's a great question. So this one's actually kind of funny. Um, and I, I kind of laughed about it. I, I don't know. We, this is probably not a laughing matter for most groups, but we're such a tight knit creative team that we, uh, I don't know. We just, we, we cut up with each other a lot, but I, I was referred to a book, um, called fire them now. And I, I ordered it. It has nothing to do with fire employees, but I actually had it on my desk for a little while and I was fire them now. Yeah. And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what kind of impression am I, am I giving to our team? And so, you know, that we, I told them what it was, but it was just kind of funny. Like if, if, if we were picking on each other, I'd always pick up that book and be like, Hey, this is what I'm reading. So just be careful. So that's right. But, Watch uh, your step. But the book is, is actually written from a former political strategist and the whole premise, I'm not finished with it yet, but the whole premise is, um, should you fire your creative agency? Because as a political strategist, if you, don't have a track record of helping people get elected, you're not going to have a job anymore. You're, you're just going to be out of business. And again, I think to Chad's point, we can't expect to just hit a home run every single time because we live in a world where uh, we make mistakes or, um, you know, marketing sometimes is a little bit of an experiment. So there's not always a silver bullet, but I think the premise of the book so far is just, is, you know, just about like serving clients and and truly helping them win and and uh it's encouraging people that have you know I, I can't tell you how many people like new clients that we've brought on that have worked with other agencies that have they've paid them over a hundred hundred grand and gotten absolutely nothing out like nothing like i think one client had paid over a hundred grand and gotten one photo for their website and oh, I can't tell you how many people have told me about those horror stories. And so we kind of see ourselves as a bit like a, a hospital for those clients that um, have been emotionally scarred and financially scarred and got nothing out. But that book is the one I'm reading. Um, podcasts, I, I don't know. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I think the one that I, this is probably a pretty typical answer, but how I built this um, I think it's an NPR podcast. I, I, I love, yeah, that love that one because it's a reminder that I'm not the only one that's, you know, going through challenging times. And I, I'm so encouraged to hear the stories of other entrepreneurs, men and women that have 
you know, like they were so close to closing the doors and they mm-hmm. kept pressing forward. And now they're, and it's not about like how much money they've made or how big they are, but it's just, I don't know. It's a beautiful thing to hear people. It's the impact. Yeah. It's incredible. And, yeah. you know, as a yeah. business owner, I, I say this too, business ownership, it can be, can feel really lonely. Um, sometimes you just feel like all the stresses of the world, like I, I kind of like lay on your back and you can't always communicate that to your team. You kind of, kind of lead with, uh, just confidence and, you know, so they don't uh, feel any uncertainty, but it can be lonely. And I think listening to that podcast, it's, it's encouraging to hear that, you know, we're not the only ones that have faced hard times and, yeah. and come out on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the takeaways that they, the guy Roz always leads them to, Hey, was it, was it, do you feel like it was luck? And they always say it was luck. Not me. They always <laughs> Being say humble. It was luck. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so, okay. You have to be a little lucky too. Well, uh, Kenny, what is your, um, morning routine look like? That's ever changing. We have a, a six year old and a four month old. So that is goodness, been, yeah. been different lately, but um, that's a, I think that's a very timely question for me. You know, I think I, sometimes I wish that there was 48 hours in each day because there's just never enough time as a husband, father, business owner to get, mm-hmm. get it all done. It's just never ending, which, um, you know, I, I kind of love it too, but I think in the last six months, you know, I've realized just the importance of having that, that routine and that schedule. And so for me lately, it's been, uh, getting into the gym. I'm not a gym guy at all. If you met me, like I'm, if you've seen the, the Griswold, um, the Christmas, uh, like the Christmas movie when they cut into the Turkey, like it's a beautiful Turkey. And then they, they cut into it with a knife and it just completely deflates that's like my gym life. Like I'll go to the gym for like five months and I'll get like a smidge of definition and then I'll leave for one day and it's all gone. So yeah, it's like, Oh, that felt good. Okay, no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's not about that, but I've just realized like, um, I usually get there, um, at 5am with another uh, friend and just having that routine and that, that quiet time has been good, but it's just, I don't know, having some exercise has been really good for just mental clarity. Um, mm-hmm. and then usually after that, I have about two, two and a half hours before our team even shows up in the office, just of quiet time. Plus clients aren't emailing at that point. So it's been re- really crucial just to have some quiet time to read a book or to follow up on some emails or just, I guess, be open to think about some, you know, think new things for the business for, for our family. So I would say, yeah, that, that's been a new one for me, but just focusing on my health and, having some quiet time before yeah. things get too busy. That solitude time is important yeah. for me in the mornings also. 5 a.m. is tough to sustain. I know, all these like 5 a.m. people, I'm like, what time do y'all go to bed? I know. <laughs> Not early enough. Hours? Not early enough. Oh. That would be my problem. All right, and our last question, what does big self mean to you? Hmm. You guys are great at the questions. <laughs> well, and I deliberately try not to preface that one because yeah. some people, they know big self and what we're building and some people don't, but I, we really get the broad range of definitions and it's really cool to see how people come at it with different lenses on. So just, yeah, what's big self mean to you? I think for me, you know, it's, it's 
it's the opposite of of self for me um i think to me that what i my, what i gravitate towards is as big, big self as being bigger than yourself um that's that's where my mind goes to and i tell this to my wife as well quite often and i, I tell her that you know if i ever get to the point where i feel like that i have arrived or i made it or i can't uh, grow or be you know, fashioned in some way, then it's probably time just to throw me in, in the ground and throw some dirt on top of me because I never want to be in that place. Even if, you know, I live to be, you know, 80s or 90s, I still want to be growing while I'm here. So, you know, I think that's something um, I've seen in business leadership too is, is uh, you know, it's you it's more than just yourself and even your family. It's you, you're taking care of a lot of other families. Um your employees, your, your clients. And so, yeah, so I think I've, I've said this phrase quite a bit, but you know, we have this mentality that we want to work really hard and be incredibly successful and then be bold enough to, to not take the credit, like, like in, in a way, take the credit, like as a team, but, um, be okay with, uh, talking about the people that made it all possible. And it's okay if we're the last one on that list. Um, I hope that people hear this and are inspired to really re-examine, not just creative agencies, but everybody, like re-examine how they're doing their own operation. Like how are they embedding their own values into the, like the tangible ways that they're working with companies. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, thank you for shining that uh, through here on the podcast today. Yeah. Fantastic to have you on, Kenny. Thanks so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Not enough time in the day. Uh, how do people reach out to find out more? How can they um, contact um, you guys at um, Council Creative? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I just wanted to thank you both for having me on. I, I am so grateful to uh, be in a city that um, there's a lot of people that are out there doing good. And one thing's clear about what you guys are doing. You guys, uh, I can tell, I have that discernment that you guys have a heartbeat for doing good. So to be invited and to uh, be on with you today is just a blessing. And um, just want to say, keep up the great work. Thank in terms you. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I love, I love what you guys are doing. But in terms of like getting, getting connected with Council Creative, I would say the best thing is just to come visit us on councilcreative.com. We're on all the social media platforms. And as kind of we've talked about today, we, we love relationships. So if people want to just have a cup of coffee or come by and see us, we would love to kind of extend our council creative family. Love it. Very cool. I'll be by once this is uh, all behind (laughs) us. We're coronavirus free. Yes. Let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, Kenny. Thank you, Kenny, so much. We appreciate you being here and offering all this. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, join the community on Facebook at the Big Self Society. You can find us at big underscore self on Twitter. And we are also at the Big Self Society on Medium, where we feature and curate content on topics ranging from psychology to creativity and productivity. We'd love to hear from you. What show made an impact on your thinking, your habits, your decision making, or anything else? And anyone you'd like us to reach out to and have on the show, let us know.